Welcome to the Slingshot Sim Racing Podcast. I'm Ellis. And I'm Chris. On the podcast, we get to know our slingshot racing community on and off the track, while also talking about anything and everything else sim racing related. You can check us out at slingshotracing.org where you can join our Discord. The podcast is brought to you by Apex Energy Drink and Martin Sports, but we'll talk about them a bit later. For now, let's jump into it. Right, it is episode number eight of the Slingshot Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you're a first time listener, thanks for joining us. If you listened before, welcome back. Glad to have you. Uh Chris, how's your day going? What have you been up to today? It's been a pretty good day. Uh I had a little bit of internet issues today, so I've been dealing with that for a few hours today and but eventually I got them squared away as much as I could get them squared away. Um, and, uh, sat down this afternoon, watched a little football, watched a little bit of NASCAR at Martinsville, um, caught the F1 race later, um, and, uh, you know, just try to take everything in that happened there. I bought a couch, bought a couch today. Bought a couch today. That's a big boy purchase. That is a big boy purchase. It was a real big boy purchase. Not gonna say how much it cost, but it was it hurt a little bit. But well, hey, you know, getting quality, a couch, yeah, quality matters when it comes to your orthopedic health. Yes, splurge on that stuff. Get yeah. something good that's gonna last you a long time and that you're gonna be comfortable with. So hopefully, we'll get in a couple weeks, and uh, hopefully, it will feel like the money was well spent. So, um, but I think we should jump into it. Uh, you know, we don't really talk about real NASCAR every week, real life NASCAR every week, but I feel like today we're coming off this Martinsville finish, which was, uh, controversial, but entertaining. I don't think anyone is going to say it wasn't to some degree entertaining, uh, just to set it up a little bit. It's, uh, probably final lap, uh, Ross Chastain and Denny Hamlin have been battling back and forth for the final playoff spot. Uh, and the final round of four, I guess, the championship race. And Ross Chastain looked like he was down and out. He's running in 10th place. Denny's in, I think, 6th or 7th. He's got kind of a two- or three-point lead. And all of a sudden, Ross Chastain comes out of turn four ahead of Denny. Uh, turns out he sent it into turn three, full speed, rode the wall past, what, five cars, went from 10th place to 5th place, and locked himself into that championship race. Um, crazy. I think it's honestly the craziest thing I've ever seen in my 20 years of watching NASCAR. Um, but I, I think fans are kind of divided on how to feel about it. And uh, it honestly, I think, touches on what we've, we've dealt with uh, in you know, some of our previous discussions with, you know, is, is there a place for wall riding? To what degree is wall riding okay? What makes a wall ride. I don't think anyone's going to question whether or not Ross Chastain's move was a wall ride. Cause he was, he was on the wall on the entry to three and on the wall on the exit of four. Um, but what do you think about that? Um, I give him credit for having the nerve to do it for sure. Um, it took some, took some big water. Yeah, it did. It did. And I'm not a Ross Chastain fan by any means. Um, I, I don't really care for his, his mentality on the racetrack. Um, 
but uh, I give him credit for being fearless and uh, and going for it. That being said, I don't think it'll. I, it's not something I want to see every week. Um, honestly, it's probably not something I really ever want to see. I don't want that to be what wins the race for somebody. Or gosh, just thinking about like if for some reason Ross Chastain wins the championship like that next week because he runs it wide open through three and four at Phoenix. Um, I think there's you know some tracks where it'll work on and some tracks where it won't, and I, I think that it worked here. You know, I was thinking about this too after it happened. Ross Chastain's got a little bit of a history of doing this sort of thing before. Um, remember the Indy Road Course earlier this year? He took that shortcut, um, like he completely missed turn one, and he tried to take that uh, that shortcut as fast as he could, uh, the runoff area. Um, that they would let you take, you know, as long as, you know, you didn't gain any positions. But I don't think they really clarified it there. Um, and after the race, he tried to play it off. And, you know, like it after, was a mistake. Right? After they penalized him, like, no, like, why would you ask me that? I'm, I, I just went that way because I couldn't make the corner. We were five or six wide. I wasn't going to make the turn. When truth be told, I think that it's very obvious now that he knew what he was doing then. Just like he knew what he was doing today, this is something that he's thought about uh, clearly. So, this guy didn't uh, fall off the watermelon truck yesterday. No, no, he didn't. And uh, I give him credit for you know just like I said having the nerve to do it. But I don't want to see it anymore. <laughs> I'm yeah, I, it. I'm going to I, it again. I think that was the most excited I've ever been, honestly. And maybe it was just out of sheer shock. Yeah, I could not believe what I'd seen. You know, we were kind of texting back and forth, and uh, you could probably tell I was excited. But I don't know, like, if that move in the future has the same impact that it had. I feel like this is a one-off deal. Like, you're never going to be able to recreate that, right? That that, yeah. that feeling because that it came out of nowhere. Like, no yeah. one would have thought to do that. And whether it's dirty or not, like, I look at it and I'm like, I look at a... I look at a move where a guy dive bombs it and slides up into somebody as much more worse, a much worse look for the sport. I agree. Than, than that. Like yeah. that was just, I agree. With sure. That. He took a risk. Like dude could have hit the turn four gate and it could have been ugly. Right. Like, yeah. Like, but Ty Gibbs looks a lot worse after this weekend than, than Ross Chastain. Does. Agreed. Like he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't, he didn't take anybody out like he I look at it, it's almost cleaner than some of the other things that, that we saw this weekend or, yeah. or in past races. Right. Uh, you know, so I can appreciate that. But I think I could like you said, I could only appreciate it as much as I did this time. This time only. Like yeah. the kind of cats out of the bag at this point, you're never going to be able to recreate what happened because it was so shocking. You know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. always with that call, like he's a vid that's a move out of a video game or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I thought but I think it's 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 ultimately um, you know, indicative of this championship format, right? We're not gonna get into the whole like playoff. We had we talked about that last week. But the idea of a championship format where you put these guys in situations where they've gotta have those, you know, game seven, you know buzzer beater moments that was it yeah like that 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 was no different than what ryan newman did 
five or six years ago or more, it was no different than what Harvick did at Talladega by intentionally bringing out two or three cautions probably yeah. four or five years ago. Uh, you know, I almost look at it as cleaner than those moves. So, Definitely. you know, I, 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 agree I thought it was, I thought it was great. I think it's going to get some attention for NASCAR. And honestly, like, I think that will get people to watch. I, you know, I know we're, I, I speak for myself more than I do you, but I'm pretty sure you're a racing purist and we can appreciate, you know, the clean and somewhat sometimes boring racing, but in 2022, that's going to draw a lot of attention. That might get some fans to, to watch. Um, who's this Ross Chastain guy? Like, he's good for the sport. 100%, I have no doubt that he is ultimately good for NASCAR. Yeah. We haven't I had agree. a guy like this in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I, and and with, with, the state of, with the state of, I know this is a little bit off topic, but with the state of Martinsville racing being what it is today with this car, you have to, you have to have some creativity and I don't think anybody is more creative today than him. <laughs> no, that's, you know, NASCAR created a situation where cars couldn't pass each other. Yeah. Uh, even with, you know, basically putting the battering ram out to the yeah. rear of a car. They gotta, uh, they gotta do something about that because yeah. they have completely destroyed the, the best track on the circuit with this car and the, the package that they have with this car on that track. It's, it's, uh, it's not good. But thank God we had a, a caution there that brought out that restart that kind of changed the complexion of the race, whether it was for the better or worse. If you, I'm yeah. team chaos. I like chaos, not too much, but in a race like that, I felt like you needed it at the end. Um, I, I thought you had a lot of storylines that kind of fizzled out a little bit that that caution really, you know, did well for him. I'm glad Christopher Bell won and things worked out in that sense for him. Um, I thought, it was a, I thought it was a great race. Um, I thought it delivered on the excitement at the end that was kind of missing throughout the majority of it. And that's why we do shorter races at Slingshot, right? Because, you know, ultimately, uh, at a race like Talladega, at least, you know, which we are coming off of this past week, people just ride around until the end anyway. So, yeah. Um, let's talk about Talladega. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Coming off of... Uh, Talladega week, 80 laps around the high banks, and uh, only two cautions for the majority of the race. Um, things started off, I would say, uh, kind of crazy. Uh, you and I, I felt like, rode about mid-pack. We kind of got to the point of running at the back of the front pack. And then did you get caught up uh, kind of behind the pack a little bit as the race went on? Yeah, so at the beginning of the race... Um... I had a, uh, it's funny, like with this car, um, when you're sort of, you know, at the back of the pack, you have to be very, very mindful of, you know, the runs that you get. And honestly, you just got to take them. You have got to drive like a butthole if you are towards the back of the pack, uh, with this current car and this current setup. Um, and I didn't do that on the initial start. And I lit a little bit of a gap. It wasn't much of a gap at all. Um, it was, you know, you know, four tenths or so form in front of me. But everybody else was kind of strung out. We weren't running super, super close together. And that sort of that strung out nature of everybody towards the back. I just I was the last car holding on to the pack and I lost it and I I fell back. There was another group of guys. Um, that was also, you know, that had fallen off too, that was back, back, back there. 
uh, Chase Berry, um, Patrick O'Toole, Jerry Barkley. There was a lot of guys. There was about eight of us, I think. And, um, you know, we we got lined up and we got together. Um, and I think that we were catching everybody. But uh, shout out to Chase Berry for uh, turning me into the outside. Wall. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we he got he was trying to push me. He was trying to help me out. He, we were trying to you know get the line back up there, and we almost had a really bad accident. Um, but um, and that we lost any chance that we had of catching the pack then. So we just kind of rode around. I didn't think we were ever going to get lapped. Um, we were running fast enough. We just weren't running fast enough to catch you guys up there, and. Um, but um yeah caution came out and we were able to catch up yeah i think uh you know the the front pack of uh maybe 15 or 16 cars i feel like is about what it was it got got strung out like our guys did a really good job of staying organized and i was i was kind of pleased with the racing action for the most part like there i felt like there was for the most part a lot of respect we you know there are a couple instances of people clearing themselves when they really weren't clear but that's talladega like that's just that's how it goes and you know, we we had one big one, would you say? Yeah. One, one big really one. Big Rick. Yeah. And for a group of 30, 30 guys with different, you know, varying skills and stuff like that, all on the same track together to avoid the majority of those problems that, that we might often see. I thought we put on a good show. Um, it, it was a great finish um, until <laughs> until there were some cars that might have turned each other. Um, but, you know, overall happy for for scott tompkins to be able to get his first slingshot win um you know and, and we have for the first time since the other restrictor play race at talladega uh a, a winner other than justin wilson or aaron smith uh we like it yep. when those guys win but we like it when, uh, when other folks win as well so like that was that was awesome um you know this, this kind of leads us into this next question i'm curious about how you feel um I'm glad to share how I feel, but we had some some incidents on track where um, some drivers who were involved in some contact that maybe they didn't feel like, or a wreck that they did not feel like was their fault, um, not really happy about that, and they continue to vocalize that. And that's something we've seen, you know, it's not just one driver, we've seen it happen multiple times this year. Uh, and it got me thinking, like, how much of that is enough? Um, in terms of how long is it okay to go on the comms after a wreck? Like, you know, is it is it okay just to kind of spout off in anger for just a minute? Um, you know, I think the answer is really relative to who you're talking to, but I think it's specifically something we want to address as a league of like, what level of verbalized frustration is something we're comfortable with over the comms in our races? Um, so yeah, what, what do you, what do you think about that? I just always try to live by the mentality of think before I key up. Um, you know, like you said, there's varying people of varying different strategy or skill levels in this league. Um, that's something that you might see a little bit different in the future. Like you might see things organized in a little bit different way in the future, as far as that goes. Um, but I, I just I always try to live by the mentality of of think and, and I trust me, I said some things um, at Wilkesboro uh, in the 87 series <laughs> um, during a wreck that I probably shouldn't have said. 
um last season and in the heat of the moment like you just you you sometimes you get overcome and i get being frustrated i really do um i would say that the thing that i probably have the biggest problem with is um things continuing and going on and on and on and on and on um that's something that i don't that i don't think anybody wants to see um i also don't really care for people not people that were not involved in the incident piling in you know what i'm saying um, yeah no i i think that's important if if there's an incident between two guys like well if those guys talk about it for a minute if they want to but but certainly other drivers putting their own two cents in is it's not productive right yeah. like ultimately we're all here to have we're all here to have fun but also to to race right at the end yeah. of the day and it's it's about building a community and building each other up rather than tearing each other down and like no i'm i don't expect anyone to say hey that's okay you know you did you did the best you could that's not what we're looking for but like the the active kind of tearing each other down minutes and minutes and minutes after a crash has happened or taking it you know taking it into uh the the discord server afterwards it's just it's not it's not productive um yeah. you know it doesn't make anyone feel good uh, it might make the person who is, you know, loving those accusations or making whatever negative comments they want to make might make them feel better for a second. Right. But but most people aren't going to look back at their comments and be proud of what they said. Even yeah. me, you know, when we had a, an incident and I felt like a car, um, you know, didn't lock up their brakes and slid down the track. I, I keyed up stupidly um, and and said something and. I apologize after the race was over because I realized, like, uh, think it just got to think about what you're saying. Like, don't jump to conclusions about what's happened before before you key up and say something. It's not going to make that person feel good. It's probably going to, you know, create some sort of confrontation. And that's not it's not fun for anybody. Like, it's awkward for the other drivers to listen to. Right. Like, ultimately, we just we want to we want to build a community and be friends. Um you know, and have positive relationships with each other. So um, that's something I think we want to work on moving forward. Um, everyone, everyone's done it at some point, right? But like, I, I feel yeah. like we, we've all been in the hosted or official sessions where you'll have one guy get wrecked and they just go on and on and on and on about it. And eventually you have to mute them. And yeah, you can mute them if you want, but but at the end of the day, it's just better if it's not there, right? Like, just this idea of tearing each other down is, is it's not, most people aren't going to get yelled at and they're not, they're not going to think, oh, you know what, what that guy's saying, he's right. Like, I really should have done that differently, right? You're, yeah. Most people aren't going to have that reaction. Yeah. You got to remember, people... go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you got it. I mean, you just got to remember, like we were talking about before, you know, some people get on this, they work an eight to five job and they get on to, they log on to iRacing, you know, one or two nights a week looking to unwind, looking to, you know, like have some fun. And, um, you know, some, like I said, some people just take this very differently than others. Yeah. And we don't, we don't have a lot of that, but I think, you know, it's something that no, it's, it's we should always to, be mindful of. It's something to take into, you know, all aspects of, 
you know, like iRacing beyond just our league, I think. Yeah, 100%. Whether you're in a hosted or official race, like we all know we've gone out there in those hosted sessions and we've acted like, you know, words we can't say on the air. But, um, yeah. you know, it's just just in general part of being a decent human being um, is what's what's the, the golden rule? Or no, treat others as you want to be treated. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just we had a couple instances this past week and maybe earlier in the season too that they got me thinking about like what role does trash talk or kind of the uh, residual anger after a wreck have uh, in a league or you know just in comms in general and hosted or official races and um, yeah, so uh, I'm glad to glad to hear your thoughts on that and hopefully you know if you're in slingshot and you're listening you. You agree, um, because that's the goal of of our community from the beginning is to to create a positive place for people to come and race and and get away from a lot of the negative energy that that we have in the outside world, whether it's from our jobs or our personal lives or just the world we live in in general. So, um, last story I want to talk about is uh, a new pedal that was announced this week. Um, the story is from traction.gg it is a semi-cube which has traditionally been big into steering wheels and wheel rims and stuff they uh they released and had a big announcement of their first pedal set which is called the active pedal and it's not actually a pedal set it's a single pedal that can act as a clutch a throttle or a brake um it's load cell but it's also got this unique force feedback system this is like i think SimuCube says this this is like no other uh pedal that has ever been released on the market uh doesn't use springs doesn't use interchangeable little rubber yeah you know washers it's not hydraulic it's it's weird because it's got it looks like almost two stages to this it's got your traditional kind of load cell but the bottom it's got what looks like a motor with like a some sort of worm gear or uh, gearing system in it that that allows the pedal to travel up, you know, back and forth. And I think that also delivers the vibrations. Uh, and they're saying, um, so just from the story, it uh, the pedals mount at the bottom to a longitudinal chassis. It's connected a second time via a movable arm from the near the top. When the pedal's depressed, the arm equipped with a load cell moves across a linear axis. This is where the vibration of the feedback uh, motor is housed. So it almost looks like like there's a giant D-box. Uh, if you're familiar with like the D-box motion systems, it looks like there's one of those actuators in the, built into this pedal, um, which is, it's, it's like a Frankenstein. I've never seen anything like it. Um, it looks cool. Uh, but the, the, I guess the, the, the selling point is that you can make it feel like anything. It is 100% customizable, adjustable. You can make it feel like any car you want uh, using the software the SemiCube uh, is putting out. But what do you think about this? I think it looks crazy. <laughs> I think it looks crazy. Um, I, I didn't know. Obviously, I've I've heard of them with their um, with their steering wheels, like you said. Um, I've I've heard of Simicube from them from that, but um, uh, this will be interesting uh, to see uh, to see what kind of reviews this gets uh, from people. Um, 
I will admit that I don't know much about it. Um, I, I'll, all that I really know is just the the picture that I saw uh, earlier a couple days ago. And uh, my initial thought was just how freakish it looks. <laughs> just like you said. It is a it's a big boy unit. It's a chunk yeah. uh, for sure. And uh, I don't know. They haven't released pricing or release date. But just looking at kind of some general uh, subreddits. Uh, the the inclination people have is uh, for a single pedal, it's probably going to be somewhere between seven fifty and a thousand uh, USD. So chunk of change. That's, that's that is a chunk of change. Uh, but you know, if I honestly, if I could get a brake pedal that I felt like matched and could be fully authentic as close to I could get to authentic without a hydraulic uh, pedal in a car, like they can match whatever car I'm driving. I might consider 750 might consider saving up for that. Um, that would be a long shot. Uh, but, but it's definitely cool. Like, I feel like it's a game changer. Um, you know, the, the sim sim racing hardware market is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It seems yeah. like we're talking about it every day of like some new product, uh, you know, launching and it's cool. It's cool to see very cool. Uh, the, the market and the community expand. Uh, it's cool. Unless you just bought a new set of pedals or <laughs> a new mm-hmm. wheel and you see a new wheel that looks pretty cool and you want it, but yeah, uh, you know, been there, done that, but yeah, it's cool. Uh, I'm interested to see what the, the final price and probably see some reviews. I'm sure, um, you'll have some good ones. Sim yeah. racing garage and, Boosted media will probably get their hands on some of these, and I'll be I'll be curious to see what that looks like. Yeah. So definitely. this week we are headed to Darlington for the Butt Kicker Southern Two Hundred. Hopefully, there won't be any wall riding. I'm sure there'll be some people who get their uh, Darlington, Darlington stripe, stripe. Yeah. early. Um, but what do you think we are going to kind of uh, experience? What do you expect to see head into that race at Darlington with these cars, which, boy, I, I sure don't know what to expect. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say. Um, I, I'll be really curious. It is a night race, if I'm not it mistaken. Is, it is, correct. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be really interested to see what the tire wear is like. Um, I, in the few laps that I have turned there in the next gen, I was very surprised. Um, I felt like the tires were not wearing near as fast here as they were at Michigan, um, which, you know, thinking back, Michigan and Bristol, I think, have definitely been our two biggest um, tire wear races so far this season. Um, I didn't I didn't feel like they were they're definitely wearing, but I didn't feel like they were wearing that fast. Um, which was surprising. Um, also, I feel like with this car, I have to drive this track very different than what I did uh, with the truck or the 87 or the Xfinity car. Um, this this track, I always felt like I had a lot of slip angle in the in the rear of the car. I always felt like I I had the car yawed out a lot more here like comfortably yawed out. Like I wasn't like sliding sideways. It just felt like, oh, wow, the right rear, I can just feel the right rear sticking out here, especially down in three and four um, and in one and two a little bit. Uh, it doesn't feel like that in in this car. 
at all. It just feels totally different, and uh, you're just you're gonna have to be careful about uh, how much angle you do get in that. And you know, when you do get that angle, you know, especially off the exit of four, it feels like it wants to come around on you. So I'm, um, I'm sure we'll have some spins on Wednesday night. Um, but Darlington's a hard drag, so that kind of comes yeah. in territory. You've got real-life cup drivers spinning it around uh, yeah. at Darlington. So this track I, does lend itself to some green flag runs. So, I, you know, I hope, and I'm sure our guys will, you know, will get better as the race goes on. Um, I, I think that we will have some early spins, like you said. Um, I think the practice session will definitely be chaotic. Um, but uh, I, I hope that we can eventually get to the point where we can get some long runs in. Yeah, and I think, like you said, it, it lends itself well to green flag runs, partly because that racing surface is so narrow. So you can have a spin, guy keeps it to the bottom of the track, and we'll keep on running, which yep. I think is, is ultimately good. Um, so, yeah, I, I expect to, to see the same thing. I expect some guys to lose the rear off the corner, particularly four. Uh, I can't remember if it was you or someone else I was talking to, talking about how it felt like the bottom uh, might be having a little more speed in these cars than we're traditionally used to seeing. I don't know if that's still true after updates and things like that, but I know that I'll be I'll be looking down there in practice at least, giving it a shot. I hope it's not true because I like riding up top, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I really honestly hope that the bottom of three and four is, is good. Um, I don't know. We'll see. It's it's just hard to tell until you get out there with a bunch of cars. Yeah, and uh, that race starts at eight thirty Wednesday night. Uh, you can check it out in our Instagram bio. We've got a link directly to the Southern Broadcast um, Racing Network Twitch page, but you can also check it out. We'll have it linked on our Facebook page as well. Um, Butt Kicker Southern Two Hundred. They've been great partners. For ours, we're lucky to give away a butt kicker uh, Gamer Plus unit at the end of the season to our champion. Uh, those things are awesome. Um, Darling, yeah. great track to feel some haptics if you've got uh, one installed in your rig. Um, but if not, check them out. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to talk about. Um, Hope we have some cool paint schemes on track. Uh, yeah, it's throwback night. So I yeah. know we'll have at least two or three of those out, out on track. Um, and uh, maybe we'll do a little contest to see which is the best one. Uh, we are giving away $60 this week in the Fast Five contest. If you can correctly guess the top five finishers in the correct order on our social media post. Um, we've had some people get close. We've had some people get all but one. Uh, but yeah. we just keep growing the prize every week. We're up to 65 If no one wins, I think the final race will be up to $75, which is pretty uh, pretty pretty easy money if you uh even if you guess we give you those cheat sheets with practice speeds championship points and power rankings so um yeah if you're listening feel free to look out for that post on uh tuesday uh or wednesday morning rather and uh get your picks in so all right uh we're gonna jump into uh in just a moment once we cross the break we'll jump into our interview with uh graphic designer iRacing painter Evan Pienta, who's been a partner of Slingshots for a good while. I'm curious to, to see kind of what he's got going on. Talk to him about his uh, history with sim racing and especially painting and see if he's got any tips for uh, folks who maybe aren't the most experienced with designing cars. So, uh, yeah, 
talk to you when we get done with the break. X Energy will help you hyper focus in those intense, palm sweaty moments during the toughest of matches. Hours of grinding to level up your gear will fly by without dragging you down. Enjoy the chat with your followers without losing sight of your in game goal as you multitask with ease. Apex Energy uses the best ingredients to promote focus, increase energy, stamina, and mental focus, support and improve cognitive and function, enhance power output, and help maintain blood sugar levels while supporting overall health. The unique blend we use for Apex Energy is like nothing else currently on the market. Go to apexenergydrink.com, use the code SLINGSHOT10, and get 10% off of your first order. Martin Sports is a leading manufacturer in sports apparel. Our products custom are custom made for each client to their specifications. From size templates to material, we truly custom make each piece for you. Whether you need your need is corporate, sports, small businesses, or maybe even fundraising, we can meet and exceed any expectations. Visit us at martinsports906.com. Okay, so uh, welcome to the guest segment. Today we've got uh, a, uh, it's been a partner of Slingshot Sim Racing since the beginning, uh, back earlier this year, and we've raced with them before in the USRA League. Uh, welcome, Evan. How's it going? Uh, it's pretty good. Um, good to be on the podcast. Um, great thing you guys have going. Good to be a part of it. Um, yeah, just excited to... Uh, really what anything you guys want to want to talk about so how has your day been so far what have you been up to uh it's been pretty good um i mean this whole weekend just kind of relaxing watching racing watching football um but uh kind of not really getting into the halloween stuff up until tonight um so got something after this so gonna go to a halloween party but pretty much just kind of laid back sitting on the couch watching sports all weekend and and you know doing the usual graphic design stuff so tell us, uh, tell us who you're going as for halloween oh just going as uh as the joker got uh got all the face paint done right before this so um face paint green hair um all the whole nine yards so very nice i'm i'm going as the joke for halloween i'm just dressing as myself yeah, oh, okay. good one. That'd be pretty shot. <laughs> pretty scary too. Yeah. Yep. Um, so. Cool. I don't. I don't. I don't have any Halloween plans. I'm not popular enough. I guess. Uh, I don't <laughs> think we're gonna hand out candy tomorrow. Oh, I started boy. looking at bags of candy at the store. They're like twenty five dollars for a bag of candy. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. You know, you got you got to get them when they go out in like June or July when they start releasing hand or Halloween stuff. So or the day that's after. that's. What, yeah, well, that's for yourself. That's when you wanna <laughs> when you wanna stock up. But uh, does candy even yeah. expire? I think it does, but it doesn't really matter because nobody really looks at the expiration date on candy. They just eat it. So yeah, I don't think I've ever looked at expiration dates on candy. I'm sure I've eaten candy that's like five years old or old. Oh, hundred, a hundred percent, hundred percent. You you forget they're in the drawer because you have them everywhere, and then you're like, ah, take a bite, and it's eh. You know, it still tastes like chocolate. It's okay. What's your favorite Halloween candy? You know, I got to give it into two categories. I got to say 
like a chocolate, I would have to say honestly Twix. Twix are Twix are top tier. Um, in terms of fruit, I'd probably say Sour Patch Kids. I would say Jolly Ranchers if they weren't so hard and so like sticky on your teeth. Um, but I would say Sour Patch Kids are probably favorite fruit candy, and then Twix for sure, my favorite chocolate candy. You know what we didn't hear, Ellis? What candy corn? I hate candy corn. All time yes. classic. I feel, like, I feel like people are either you you either love candy corn or you hate candy corn. Uh, candy, count candy me corn, as a hater. I'm a absolutely hater. disgusting. It is. I like eating yeah, wax. Exactly. I would rather get licorice than candy corn. Oh, that's, that's that's kind of a stretch. That's a stretch, but I mean. That's how passionate I am for the hatred I have for candy corn. So. No, no pun intended with licorice being a stretch. Oh, uh, <laughs> I get that. So. Uh, I like the, I like the tan, you know, the little tangerine candies. They're like gummies kind of, but it's like a chewy, you know, they've the been around the sprinkle, orange slices? Y- the orange slices. That's what it is. The little orange yeah. slices. Yeah. Um, to, honestly, this is going to sound crazy too, but I don't like orange flavored like candy. Like all like orange Skittles. I'll leave to the last bit. Orange everything like the orange slices are I'm not really I prefer there's cherry slices they're red and those are really really good but um like any I don't know why it's just like any orange candy I'm just not into. Do you like real oranges? I do like real oranges. Oranges are probably one of fruits like actual fruits. So um, awesome. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I guess the fake flavor is kind of. Not my favorite, not my favorite, but everyone's got their own taste, though. That's just that's part of life. I'm not going to yuck your yum. So uh, let's, I guess, jump into it. And uh, first question for you that we always ask people generally is how long have you been sim racing? Well, um, how long have I been sim racing? So I guess I'll just kind of cut it to I started iRacing um, Christmas of 2017. Um, I got iRacing for Christmas and then started on the G29 with that. But um, it had, I think in terms of racing and more racing games, it started way before that with um, all the way back to Forza 6 Motorsport. Or Forza, not more Forza Motorsport 6. Uh, Forza Motorsport 4. Uh, I was, that was my first. I got my Xbox 360 and I got that game with it and played the hell out of that. And then uh, went over to um, and just played the, all the Forza games. I was an Xbox kid, unfortunately, for some people. But uh, I guess that was... I never really played. I never got into like any of the shooter games. I never got into any of that. I always I always was the one with the racing games. I'd always play a racing game over Halo or Call of Duty or any of that. So um, played Forza 6 or Forza 4, then went all the way through all the motorsports, um, got all the Horizons, played all the Forza series, played a couple of the other console racing games here and there um project cars all that stuff but then really i got really passionate into it um once i got iRacing um like i said we got the g29 um ran on that for a little while for about two years and then um switched over got finally got the fanatec uh v3 pedals and then had those and that made a big difference uh and then got the uh, fanatec wheelbase 2 to match it and have run that ever since so um i guess it was more of I wanted. I heard about iRacing before that, and um, wanted to do it, and just had a passion for short track racing and oval racing and dirt racing, and iRacing had all that to offer. And plus, they had all the cup tracks or all the NASCAR tracks and all the trucks and stuff. And 
something that I had never been able to drive before and being able to use a wheel. Um, I was a little nervous, obviously. I think everyone is when they enter a sim, uh, especially iRacing. And then, uh, but once you get into it, you kind of get more confident and realize this is the best thing ever. And uh, you can't really turn away from it. So, Chris, I'm, I'm sensing a reoccurring theme with every guest we have. They've been racing on iRacing for far less time than we have, and they're better. Yep. For myself. Oh, boy. Oh it's boy! Like every every person we've had on here has been, oh yeah, I've been on it for like three years or two years, and then they're just like class lights out, field. lights out yeah. better than us. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't um, know, you guys, you guys matched up pretty good in USRA when we ran together. So we're getting smoked in slingshot, though. We got some, we got some good guys out there. Oh, I, not I, that I, there weren't I, good I, guys you know, in USRA, but like, oh, I, yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I don't know if you guys got into that, but we know uh, one of them's pretty pretty good and justin. transferred over quite well justin exactly oh justin and aaron aaron smith is uh chris's son is putting up a real good yeah, fight that's my boy uh, yeah. my son kind of duking it out this year but uh aaron, aaron's pretty good too i mean he's i mean i don't know i mean it's a good one-two battle the whole we're, gonna have to, we're gonna have to get you to make him a different paint scheme though i uh it's solid I yellow know. i'll make him a uh what's that what's that banana company Chiquita. That'd be a perfect, perfect sponsorship opportunity so. there. So I guess like with that, uh, you know, we uh, kind of introduced you earlier in the show, but you've done a lot of our graphic design work for Slingshot Racing. Uh, you know, you've designed a lot of our cars. You've designed some of our, lo- our race, lo- pretty much every single race logo we've had. Points graphic. You've done a lot of stuff um, that I feel like is kind of what you're shifting into or it's been your real expertise uh recently what uh what got you into the whole graphic design car painting all that was that before you started iRacing or after uh I, I it would probably be before um i mean it all started i think just like again forza and um the old nascar games too i forgot to mention mm-hmm. those, everybody um the paint booths in those for me i was not as old as everybody else with the thunder 2004 to air all the uh, ea games but um for me the my best memories were on the uh, eutechnics games like nascar 14 and um inside line and stuff um those the paint booths and those is where i really started and then i was transferred over to forza the forza series forza has i think one of the best paint booths in console racing um in terms of the amount of possibilities you can do, the amount of logos you can get. Um, just that's where I kind of really started getting more creative and making really good schemes um, in terms of paying attention to detail, um, trying to uh, make sure everything kind of flows, get new ideas in. Um, and it was kind of just, it also kind of helped, I think, with trying to utilize the tools I had, the limited tools I had in Forza um, with just certain shapes and stuff and trying to make schemes out of those. But once I got that, that was that was really exciting for me to create those. And I always tried to make like any time I joined a league on fours, I always tried to have the best looking cars on the track. Um, and then once I got over to um, for, or I racing, uh, I didn't really make. I honestly didn't really start making my own paints um, for that first year and a half. I kind of just downloaded tra- paints off of trading paints, or if I did make my own paints, they were out of the uh, paint builder in I racing and. Uh, then I kind of saw people make cool paints and had ideas of like personal sponsors I wanted to run or 
certain ideas and uh i ended up kind of just looking up and uh got paint.net which is the free it's a free paint program oh yeah and started making my paint schemes through that and uh that was i mean that was very low tech i was at that point i was still i started basing all my schemes off of the base uh designs that iris and gives you um that you can base your own schemes off of and i just kind of colored those to more than just three colors and added my own sponsors and then shortly after that, I kind of involved more and more into my own designs. Um, and as I involved more in that, then I ended up going, I didn't do the whole paint.net GIMP to Photoshop. I didn't completely skip GIMP and went straight over to, uh, to Photoshop and started working in that and been in using Photoshop and Illustrator and all the Adobe products ever since. So, What kind of learning curve is that I know a lot of guys probably want their own paint schemes and maybe they don't want to pay someone to do it. Uh, we think they should pay you because you're really affordable and do a super professional job. But if that's not for them, like what, how, how steep of a learning curve is Photoshop? How long did it take you to get kind of a hang of it? Um, honestly, I don't think it's like eye racing. It's not as bad as you think. Um, it's, it, there's, it is so there's really you can start out and only use about three to four basic tools um as long as you follow you can use the the pen tools your best friend in making shapes or like the shape tools in their tool too um the paint bucket tool to make change colors the brush tool um the eraser and pretty much i mean you can just make anything you want with that um you it's not it's a lot of those base the basic principles of photoshop are a lot of the basic principles in every other graphic design software or every other software in general whether it's canva or um any like google presentation or any presentation the movements all those different um tools are all the same throughout all different programs and even if you still have tr trouble with that there are with adobe especially there are hundreds of thousands of forms and people out there who have had either the same question or the same problem or there's videos, hundreds of videos on YouTube about the thing that you're looking up how to do. And it won't, I mean, if you have any trouble at any point, you can find the solution instantly. So in terms of that learning curve, it's, it might be daunting at first and you might have to spend a couple, maybe a couple hours just trying to tinker around, just figuring out what does what and how you can do certain things. And once you get the basics down, then once you're designing a car and you get an idea, then you can try something new or look towards something and um, see how can I apply a stroke or how can I apply some noise um, to the whole overall body color to make it look like a metallic paint or um, have metal flake, or I should say, I or how do when, I get outer glow or something. But yeah, I remember when I did that for the, the first time, I think I was in middle school, probably when I, when I realized you could add noise to make it look like a, a metallic look and it was i felt like i had just done quantum physics or something i felt <laughs> like so accomplished i remember also i figured out how to do like a pearl effect i used that a lot mm -hmm. on a lot of my, oh, yeah. my schemes i did way way well, way back when well i know that's what before they added all the spec maps and i was saying people there was a bunch there was a lot of talented people um out there a lot of people who are probably more talented than i am that way that took like the bot the stock designs and they would add different uh gradients and stuff to make it look metallic on all the cars before they're even spec maps and um sometimes you look back at them and you think if you could apply a spec map to that design how they have it right now that would look killer in general and uh 
So, I mean, there's like people found workarounds before there were more innovations added. So, um, and there's the possibilities are endless on Photoshop in general. I think you can do use any tool in the, in their software to add or um, add another level to your paint scheme or just find something new to add to your paint scheme. So. Chris has been messed around with, uh, is it GIMP or you've been doing Photoshop? Uh, I haven't gone to Photoshop yet. I've used GIMP. Um, the only thing that keeps me, and, and I haven't even used a ton of GIMP. I've honestly used the uh, the Trading Paints Pro more than anything. Um, just, just because, you know, like you said, going to one of these programs is a little bit intimidating for somebody like me. Um, but I have no doubt that if I sat down with it and you know, messed around with it for enough days that I would have it, that I could do it. Um, no, nowhere near as good as some people like Evan, but um, it's just the the thought of having to sit there and learn how to use it is, it's just not something that I've committed to yet. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's... I feel like it's definitely something, like I said, it's something that people kind of look at and like, I don't think I can do that. Or I don't know if I have the time to do that. But in reality, like there are times it's not like something you have to sit down and start and finish right away. There's, you can start a little bit and um, you get a writer's, you get a creative block, or if you don't know what you're doing, you can look something up. Or if you don't want to work on it and sit down in two hours, you can, work on it a little bit and then end up working on it a little bit more later. Um, or and it's a, not just something you do in one, one go, you can work on it in a period of days or weeks. Even um, I've done that before where I've started a scheme in one night and think I have a big idea and then I get to do it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know where I can go with this. And then uh, I end up just kind of letting it sit for about two weeks. And then I remember, Oh, I had this scheme I was coming up with. Um, and then I open it back up and then I can kind of whip something up really quick. And just cause my creative juices were flowing for that project at the time, um, that two weeks later than two weeks earlier. So. Isn't that crazy how that works? I feel like it's the same with writing or, or just anything that, that you have to use that creative part of your brain for. Sometimes it's, sometimes you're in the flow, sometimes you're not. Um, so yeah. Um, You've been doing this, I guess, really, it's it's professional at this point. You're you're doing paint scheme commissions. Uh, has there been a scheme that has been your favorite to create? I know you've been featured on the Trading Paints. Was it iRacing or the Trading Paints Twitter? Um, it was Trading Paints Twitter um, a couple of times. I know I got um, a theme of, uh, I got a paint, featured paint of the week um, on the Buick. Uh, 87 when that came out um i had a couple way back wednesdays um when they do their like throwback thursdays but it's on a wednesday um and i had a couple i think i had my dave blaney 87 car or dave blaney 1998 car on the 87 monte carlo um was featured on there and then just recently um i had the kyle bush hot wheels uh, rcr concept i made uh, a couple weeks ago was featured on there. Um, so I've been on there a couple times, but in terms of my favorite paint, I've like, I'll, I guess I'll do two. Um, my favorite, it's hard to pick one that I post like publicly on trading paints. That's my favorite just cause I mean, I come up with ones every time and it's like, 
I like one at first and I kind of get another one as I create another one. But um, I don't know. I guess my one of my favorites, I, it's going to be kind of biased mobile one wise, but my favorite probably have posted publicly has probably been this. Uh, it was a Kurt Busch uh, 2022 mobile one Camry concept. Um, before we knew he was going to drive the 45, I put it on the 32 um and posted that and that's the design on that was really cool it had the big pegasus on the side um with a lot of it was had a black base or a dark gray base um instead of a white base which i think made the logos and the colors really pop on it um it had more of a geometric design and then the other one i'd have to say is i made it was probably one of my first um big big time commissions um in terms of a lot of uh direction and a lot of um coordination around it um i had a commission from a guy who wanted to take the jeremy mayfield um uh mobile one car from penske and he wanted it on the uh next gen mustang and so i ended up kind of take made the same base um but then i moved the pegasus kind of like where i put it on the kurt bush car and uh had the big mobile one on the side and it turned out really, really good. Um, and I think just like the overall colors in it, was, it's one of the rare schemes. Um, and it kind of got my ideas flown from that was to um, take these older, like 90, like nineties or eighties cars or um, schemes or even sponsors and uh, turn them into what if they were on the next gen car or like what if this sponsor was on the next gen or this sponsor was still in NASCAR. So I've done a couple of those um, just to kind of see the what ifs um, and a couple of them have turned out pretty good in my opinion. But yeah, I think the two mobile one cars are probably my all time favorites. I kind of want to build off of that just a little bit for just a second. Uh, you mentioned like the what ifs of, um, of paint schemes and, one thing that I had noticed um, is your your car sets. Um, I pay it. I try to look on trading paints for these sort of things. Um, your I really really like your 1998 uh, car set for the 87s uh, that you got going on. How many cars do you do you know like a rough estimate? How many 1998 cars you have on the 87 right now? Um. So funny enough, uh, that's, well, I'll just start off by saying that was probably, that project was my first major project I've ever done. I've seen people do car sets in the past and when I saw the 87s, um, come out, I really liked them. And I think I started, I started out with, um, I made the Dick Trickle, he like Myers car, um, mm, the number no, nine. We're going to have to censor this now. Oh yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> the beep trickle, uh, he like Myers car. Uh, so I made that one and it turned out really, really good. And I kind of realized what if these, these people like to make these cars, the 87 cars, people were making like the modern day cars, like the, like Jimmy Johnson cars and, um, stuff of the early 2000 or the mid 2000s. And I thought, you know, people, what if you went just for a decade and went to the 50th anniversary of NASCAR, um, and made their whole car set. And so I ended up kind of going through and, uh, committed to making the entire car set, taking all the Fords and putting them on the Fords and all the Pontiacs and Chevys, putting them on the Chevys and uh, all the Dodges. I think there weren't any Dodges there. So it was just the three manufacturers, but I ended up putting those together and 
um, as I kind of started out with just, it became a theme that I kept doing 1998 cars. And then I got to making Ernie, the Ernie Irvin Skittles car, um, with all the one that Kyle Bush did a throwback to a couple of years ago. And, uh, I took that one. As soon as I hit that one, I realized, you know what, I should probably turn these and make a car set and commit to doing the entire 1998 series. So, um, I first went through and did all the ones that, I had not seen people make similar cars of because people are already like, there's like the Terry Labonte Kellogg's car or the Jeff Gordon rainbow warrior or the Steve park car um, or the Dale Earnhardt car. All those people had made already um, or something similar too, because they all have the same basic scheme. So I waited to do those last, but I tried going through and did ones that not many people had done before people hadn't done before and added those to my um, car set. And then once I got done with doing one of every driver, I went back through and did some limited or like famous um, one-off schemes from the 98 series. Um, I've not done the, uh, no, that wasn't there. I did that back. I was going to say the, uh, the rainbow Gort or the rainbow Earnhardt car. That was 2000. Um, Peter Max. Yeah. I did not. What did, what did he run 98? Was that the uh, Bass Pro car? The gold Bass Pro car? Was that the yeah. silver car? The silver it car was, was 90. I think that the silver car was 96 or 97. And I, I think ran, it's right. I think it's the gold. He yeah, ran an Olympic scheme, I think, in 96, maybe. Yeah, I think yeah, because right. the Olympics yeah. were in Atlanta. That yeah. Was, yeah. He ran that at Atlanta that year, and that was the All-Star race. So, yeah, I think, yeah, because it was a, uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, I did double. I did, like, more of the one-off schemes that guys ran that year. That were, um, I, And I did a couple inverted cars. I did the uh, Dale Jarrett. Ford quality car care car inverted. I did the Steve part yellow inverted. So I had a black base. Um, I did the uh, Mark Martin Eagle one car. Um, just I love that Mark Martin Eagle one car, man, that car looks amazing. It really does. So, yeah. Um, and then I ended up, I mean, I haven't done any, I honestly wish I could do, I would do more 87s. Um, I just haven't gotten around. I have a whole list of, I have a whole spreadsheet of a lot of cars I wish I could do. Um, just haven't gotten around to doing them. But um, looking at my spreadsheet right now, I have them all, all the 98 cars highlighted. I think I end up having around like either 30, 36 or 46. It's more, oh no, it's way more than 36. It's, I think it's around 48 cars, um, different schemes I've done. And each one had a no number and number. So uploading all those to trading paints over time is not bad if i had to do that all at once that would i'd still be here doing them now but uh that was that was a cool project over i think that took over a year um if i counted starting at the helig myers um on and off taking a couple months off here and there um but once i got it done it was so rewarding to just click through and see every single car i had done um and kind of remember the process and like think, oh, make, trying to make that design or trying to find that logo was really, really hard. Or I, had to, I couldn't find that number. So I had to trace that number off of a die cast or all this stuff. Because a lot of the stuff, yeah, they have like the X side logos or they have the mobile one logos. But a lot of these, I know in particular, the, uh, uh, where is it? The uh, Greg Sachs Thornapple Valley car was really tough to make because... They, you couldn't find a thorn. You couldn't find a Thorn Apple Valley car logo or Thorn Apple Valley logo. Not to mention, you couldn't find the number ninety eight font he used that year. And so it was just there was a lot of tracing going through um, those logos and stuff. Um, 
and it kind of developed my and not only that, also trying to find all the little secondary sponsors. That was probably even a harder part for each one, trying to find the right pictures and reference photos of, okay, is this a Valvoline logo or is this some off-brand company that I've never heard of before and trying to find that logo. And sometimes I go to form. Sometimes I'd have to look at different angles. Sometimes I go to Getty Images. Sometimes I could find it really quicker. Even a couple times, I remember I pulled out a little die cast I had, I know, in my little drawer of cars. and. Fortunately enough, there you could see the logo printed on there. So there was a lot of searching and hunting and tracing that went through that whole project. And the whole behind the scenes of that that doesn't get seen through the actual car set is the other thing that I'm proud of about that entire entire project. So that's that's impressive. Yeah, you got over yeah. 200 different paints on uh, on your trading paints. Uh, okay. And if anyone's interested in looking at that, they can just go to Trading Paints and search your name, Evan Pienta, P-I-E-N-T-A, right? Yep. So, yeah, I, I uploaded a lot of stuff on there. and I didn't realize there's 200 paints. That's, wow, that's, I didn't think about that or look that up before. Um, so, I mean, I, I've stuck with mostly, I mean, NASCAR, just at least the top four, top three series. And, um, I've tried branching out. I've made a couple um, GT cars and a couple LMP2s. I've I've not dared touch the Indy car yet. That is something <laughs> that those the guys, the road course guys that make those schemes on the Indy cars and all the open wheel cars are insane with how they know how they can make a design flow with little pieces of graphic that they spread out among the entire template. It's it's ridiculous, but I give props to them for that. Tell me you don't want to challenge you're making those uh lightning bolts line up on an old target chip Ganassi scheme. Oh, oh yeah. No. Uh, I could make four I could make four NASCAR schemes in that time, but yeah, that's no. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Speaking of throwback, I know we're excited. You uh I know you're just des- you designed my car uh that I'm gonna be running really for the rest of the season with slingshot. Uh old David Pearson throwback, uh metallic purple. Uh, with going to put the epilepsy foundation on it for epilepsy awareness month. Uh, we're excited mm-hmm. about that. And Chris, I think you're working on a scheme with him right now. Potentially Chris. Yeah. Uh, oh. oh, Chris I mean, might've dropped off, but we can talk about it. Yeah. So yeah, Chris contacted me. He, um, he runs a 28 obviously. Um, and so he wanted to do a DD Allison throwback to uh the 1987 car the white and um white black with the chrome stripe and the red stripe oh yeah and the chrome logos and the chrome number um and he wanted it to be a butt kicker car so instead of having one it'll be butt kicker and then the texaco little star is going to be the little butt kicker reverb sign uh their little logo they have and so uh just making all that as um accurate as possible uh, as one thing, especially the challenge of transferring over to a next gen car and having the number move forward um, is something that's a little challenging, but uh, it's, I honestly think that that car, one of the, it's one of the few cars that can pull off and look as good as it did with the regular number um, with the Ford number. Cause I mean, it doesn't really, it fits well enough and it fits, it still matches and it gets the idea across. It's not like you have, couple of the schemes if i were to do a throwback to you end up pushing the number forward and there's blank space behind the number that 
was not seen there, and that number fills some of that gap. But this this the Texaco car, the Davy Allison car, does not do that. Um, the chrome behind the number, that chrome strip is going to look really good. The chrome number is going to look really good. And I don't think I told Chris this until now, but I'm going to try and put those uh, the logos on the actual car. The Haviland logos were chrome, so I'm going to make those butt kicker logos chrome with oh, the uh, black outline. So that thing uh, just pop out there. That sounds just, awesome. Just, just the little, just the little details is one thing I try and pay attention to. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Sorry about that. I had my mic muted. Uh, yeah, that's um, you're good. I uh, I just was thinking about this logo. Um, I wanted to have something Davy Allison um, related, and um, that car I just think looks really, really good. And uh, like Evan said, there's some white space towards the front of the door like close to the um close to the uh like where the where the number goes now on these new next gens um and my thought was that this might be a uh, like he said i'm nowhere near an expert on this by any means but i just thought that this was a a, a scheme that could that could work uh with the uh, new design of the next gen so i really appreciate evan doing this yeah and those butt kicker logos are going to fit almost perfectly probably with replacing the Haviland stuff. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's going to, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing that car. So we know you got to run. You can't stay around forever. Uh, I feel like we've learned a lot <laughs> about you kind of about, uh, you know, just painting a couple last questions for you. If, if you could tell people who are listening, who want to design their own cars, where would you start? Are there any design tips for, beginners um i would say um for tips for beginner beginners i would say as much as you might want to try and make your own um just to get into use to making schemes i would use the iRacing base templates um when you download a paint file to make your own schemes um or if you use them in trading paints they have the file in there and they have the they include the designs that you can make your stock cars in with the paint shop in within iRacing um you can include those and you can use those as a base i would start out with using those first and then changing the colors to exactly what you want in those and adding your own logos through that and then once you graduate from that i would just say stick with i mean use the wireframe there's a wireframe in the templates that gives you basically the outline and grids out essentially the entire car use that that is your friend um, to line up stuff, use that, use the pen tool, um, in all, in all programs, the pen tools in them. And that is a tool that you can make any, any shape, any design with. And just, I mean, I would say as well as that, keep stuff simple. Um, don't try and go and make all the Mountain Dew cars that, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. drove or, um all these crazy schemes with all these different graphics or any any of the track house cars this year those are those are insane those are the best cars on track but don't go out i mean don't try and put yourself and go off the deep end at the first shot um stick with something that's simple um and the thing i did too um just want to mention i i get inspiration um there's always someone you look up to and for me the person in designing that i've looked up to the most is um Blackbeard Designs. He um, designed the Lars. He designed Denny Hamlin's FedEx car. He designed the his Coca Cola car this year. Um, 
he's designed a lot of the sprint cars for a lot of guys, a lot of the midgets for the chili bowl. Um, he designs a lot of cars and his mentality and his design elements of using, he uses a lot of geometric shapes, a lot of, um, a lot of knots, not a lot of stuff that touches each other. Um, as much as the track house cars look cool, um, he does a lot of simplicity, basic um, colors that pop, a lot of only like two or three tone, three tone, yeah, color cars. Um, and so that is, he's probably my biggest inspiration. So I would say for people that are starting out, find somebody, find a designer on Instagram or Twitter or anywhere that you like, um, that you like their stuff, you like how they work their their style and try and emulate their type of stuff. Don't directly copy because that happens a lot. I'm, I'm in a lot of discord channels that a lot of this, that with a lot of designers and they, they point out a lot of times when people try and make replicas or completely copy their base, um, whether it's in real life um, on actual cars in the lower series, obviously, or it's on other video games, people will copy. Um, but, like, just find somebody, find how you, like, if you like their style, if you like their design mentality, and um, try and replicate, not replicate, but work off of what they've done or try and gain ideas of how their aspects of design, their metho methods or ideologies of painting. So just kind of overall, once again, just be simple. Don't go off in the deep end trying to make something crazy. Um, slow steps, and you'll you'll end up being confident in making anything that comes to your mind. Slow and steady wins the race. What did Dick exactly. to finish first? You must first finish. Finish. So, uh, yeah, man, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, Evan Pienta, uh, painter, designer, extraordinaire. Uh, how can people find you uh, if they want to look you up and get in touch to maybe get some, some uh, designs? Um, well, you can contact me on Trading Paints, um, like my, like we mentioned, Evan Pienta. Um, just search up my name um, on there. Uh, on Instagram, Evan Pienta Designs. Um, on there as well. Uh, I'm on Discord. If you are in the SSRL Discord, you can message me through Discord. Um, and I also have my own website, actually. Um, EvanPienta.MyPortfolio.com. Um, you can contact me through there through email, which is my email is also at designs at email or at gmail.com. So a bunch of different ways to contact me, uh, getting in touch regarding paint schemes, logos, numbers, um, any graphics you want racing related. Uh, just let me know. I can send you, I believe my prices are posted on my website. Um, or I can send you more specifics if you're interested in working out some commissions. So. Those awesome. are pretty much the ways to contact me. But awesome. Well, we we've been a proud partner with you uh, for for all two seasons that we've done, and hope we can continue that partnership in the future. Uh, Evan Pienta, appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, have a great night, everybody. Hey, hope you enjoyed that episode. We just wanted to say thank you for your time and your interest in our podcast, and really just overall thanks for listening. We work hard to bring these episodes to you guys each week. And thanks for being a part of our Slingshot Racing community. If you want to learn more, you can find us at slingshotracing.org. From there, you can find us on social media like Instagram, Facebook. You can join our Discord from the main website. And uh, if you're listening to us on Anchor, 
Spotify or Google Podcasts, please feel free to leave us a review. Uh, the more reviews and the better reviews we have, the more people who will have access to this podcast. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll hope to hear from you and see you next week. Bye for now.